We have a guest in the studio with me today. And, John, pull that microphone up uh, like you are going to eat the thing <laughs> okay. so that we can hear you loud and clear. Uh, John Murrow is my guest in the studio today, and you may not recognize that name. <laughs> but if you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you have heard the ad for Egyptian Exterminating. Uh, it asks the question, are you being bugged? <laughs> and uh, John is the uh, part our former owner of uh, Egyptian Exterminating. He's been a family business. He's now since passed it down to his uh, son and daughter-in-law. But we welcome in, him into the studio today. John, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, let's get to know you just a little bit. Are you a uh, Southern Illinoisan born and raised? Yes, sir. Born and raised in Marion. Lived there all my life. And uh, what did your folks do for a living? <laughs> Egyptian exterminating. <laughs> uh, my dad started the business in 62. And uh, so as a small kid, I used to go with him working. And uh, in 79, uh, I went to work for him full time. And then in 88, I started purchasing it. Uh-huh. And how big is Egyptian exterminating? How far do you service? We go approximately river to river. Uh, and we go normally roughly somewhere between Benton and Mount Vernon, mm -hmm. uh, Pinckneyville area, Metropolis. And what is the most common household pest other than small children? <laughs> well, the, the, the most common would be ants. Mm -hmm. uh, we have all kinds of ants, uh, odorous house ants in particular. They're very, very thick. We like to put you know, uh, our landscaping around the house, which is a perfect nest for ants. So uh, that's that would be our number one. And are termites as big of a problem as they're marketed to be? Yes, they are. Um, Southern Illinois, we're in the termite belt. Uh, the farther north you go, the less pressure there are from termites. But uh, we only have one type of termite in Southern Illinois, uh, the eastern subterranean termites, all we have. So, uh, but yeah, they can do a lot of damage. Um, and uh, we do, uh, I'd say we do two, 300 termite jobs a year. Uh-huh. And what is the most difficult pest to get rid of? Uh, roaches, German roaches. That would be my opinion. Uh, and a lot of that reason is because you got to have a lot of help from the homeowner or renter. Sanitation uh, plays a huge, huge part. Uh, clutter pay, plays a huge, huge part. So uh, we get a lot, of, especially we get calls with rental property. That can be an issue at times because it's a three. Three, you got the exterminator, you got the, the homeowner who's paying for it, and then you got the renter. And so you got to have cooperation to to the cleaner the better. When I was a when I was a single guy, I remember I had German roaches in my house, and I think the exterminator was just being kind because he said I probably brought them in with dog food. That's true. That could very well be true. Is that is that how yeah, it that can, can sometimes sure. come in? Because I had just gotten a new dog. Potatoes. I mean, you you can carry them in from the grocery store quite easily and they will actually uh you know if you're in an apartment complex they can actually go from apartment to apartment too so now we're going to talk to john about the business for just a couple more moments my primary reason for uh, having brought him in is because john is involved in uh, quite a bit of missionary work uh, in mexico and i want to talk with him about that as well today but um one last and i'll probably come back to some other exterminating <laughs> okay. questions but uh, you know, you can see on the shelves in the grocery stores what are affectionately called bug bombs, mm -hmm. where you just, you know, close the house up, throw a couple of these grenades in there and let them off, and mm -hmm. it's supposed to just take care of everything. Mm -hmm. Do those things actually work? 
Well, well I always like to say when I was still working, you can call us now or call us later. <laughs> uh, actually, with the foggers, what I call foggers, I for, depending on what you're dealing with, but for roaches, no. Uh, basically, what that will do, it'll repel them back into the wall, push them back into you know to hiding. So. Uh, Possibly for certain certain pests, it might be, be okay. Fleas might be one that would be uh, uh, would help. Of course, you got to have a growth regulator involved. So there's other things, but uh, no. By and large, um, there's not a whole to me. There's not a whole lot of over-the-counter products that work unless you can get on something real quick. But if you've, like, for example, German roaches hatch out every 28 days, so uh, it doesn't take long to have a house full of them. Right. Right. So, um, or of course, you could buy. A- can of wasp spray and take care of a wasp nest <laughs> yeah, or whatever. WD-40, that works too. Right, right, with a lighter on the other yeah. end of it. No, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Don't try that at home. <laughs> no. But uh, anyway, John Murrow is with us today, the um, one-time owner of Egyptian Exterminating, and I'm sure you're still called on from time to time for advice in various situations. Yes, uh, he, uh, my son and my daughter-in-law, they, uh, when they need me uh, for something. But again, that's not, honestly, not, that's not a lot. I've been very proud of the way, them, way they've taken over. Uh, they, they're, they're, they complement each other. My son is very good out in the field with people and pests, and he just, he kind of absorbs stuff. My, and my daughter-in-law is quite the office uh, person. They're going through the process now of getting everything more and more computerized and we're going to be doing away with paper. And, and so, uh, my wife and I always said that, uh, when all these things occur, when we retire, go for it. So they're going for it. John Burrow's with me today. And of course, if you have any exterminating questions, you could send me them on the text line at 618-426-3308. That's 618-426-3308. John, where do you go to church? Well, I, as my former pastor always told me, he says, you don't go to church, you are the church. Jesus oh. is in me. But anyhow. Amen. Uh, I always have to tell people that. <laughs> uh, we are currently at White Ash Baptist Church, just north of Marion, on between Marion and Johnson City. Okay. And there were about five years. And how long have you been involved in missionary work to Mexico? Oh, my. Well, I got involved going to Mexico through a men's group that we've been meeting with now over 27 years. And there was a dear brother named Roger Odom, who's now went on to be with Jesus, uh, was in that group. Really? Yeah. I don't even know Roger or not. I did. Okay. Yeah. Did you, I didn't did, know that he had passed away. I'd interviewed him once on this program also, many years ago. I was actually if he ago. arrested you. He was you know, a former police. Yes, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> but Roger um, and I just, in our men's group, um, he he took over a ministry that was going on down there uh, called Many Hands of Christ. And... Um, so I started going with him uh, uh, down to uh, Del Rio, Texas, where we would stay. But we'd go into Acuna. My daughter, I'm thinking now, she's she was 18, and we took her. She wanted to go on a mission trip out out of high school, and we took her down there. And she's 32, I think. She's born in 88, so she's 32 this year. So, so I was involved with them for about. Well, I'd say t- 2016, 2017 was probably the last trip that we went to Acuna. And what is the spiritual need in Mexico? We always think about, I ask a question, then I make a statement, and I mm-hmm. do that way too often. But we have a perception that Mexico is a Catholic country, predominantly, um, and that the wide majority of uh, people in Mexico are practicing Catholics. Is that true? 
Uh, definitely, especially where I just came from. My wife and I and three other ladies from our church, we were down in uh, Jerez, uh, Zacatecas, back in June. And that definitely is um, old school Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very heavily Catholic down there. Uh, as far as on the border in uh, Acuna, um, Cunha is kind of like a melting pot because uh, it kind of exploded when all the factories started going across uh, the border during the NAFTA. And so, um, but down in, uh, down in Jerez, that is, you know, generational. Mm-hmm. And so when you go there, what is the process? Obviously, you fly there, I presume. Yes. But are you met by a guide or someone who takes you to a place where there are people in need? Okay, so our trip to Jerez uh, this past June, uh, as I was sharing with you, with you before we started the program, uh, there's a missionary down there and his name Ben Elliott. And I met Ben through Roger, through that ministry, back in Del Rio back in the early 2000s, I guess. I'm not for sure the dates. And at that time, Ben was a school teacher in Del Rio. He actually had moved to Del Rio from Oklahoma. And, but through a mission trip as a kid, he, the Lord called him into mission work, and he went down there, and he actually married, married a young lady from Mexico, and he was, he was teaching school in Del Rio, and then uh, during summer breaks, he would do mission work down, down in Mexico. Um, of course, he's going across the border all the time, but his heart was to go someplace deeper uh, just really because of uh, – the number of ministries are down there on the border. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it's just like... Uh, he wanted to go further yeah, in. He wanted to go further in. So they started going down to Jerez, and uh, he's been going... Now, he's down there full-time ministry, uh, missionary work, and he's been down there, I want to say, eight or ten years, but that's just a guess. I read a lot about the cartels and the violence that is wrought from the work that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. Are Christian minist- uh, missionaries in any sort of peril when they're in Mexico? Well, I wouldn't say, I would not say yes or no, honestly. I, I just got an email from Ben the other day. I mean, it was a general email he sent out to all of his supporters, but he actually had an incident happen just last week where he had a flat tire and a group of cartels actually stopped to see if they could help. Oh, really? So, um, I guess respect maybe one thing. Um, in fact, because he, in the email, he said that he offered prayer to the, he said the leader looked like he's about 24 or 25 years old. And he said, can I pray for you? And he said, I don't think God would probably want to hear about me. Oh, yeah. So, uh, now when we were down there in June, we actually went up into the mountains to a place that the, the day that we went um, was the first time that the, that his ministry had been up in that area uh for several months due to cartel activity mm. and um we actually came across a couple of bombed out, bombed out cars but honestly the 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 fighting is if you will is between cartel and cartel so uh, as, as ben says uh you know you just got to use wisdom you know right you, you're, you know you know you're not don't be silly but uh, uh so I, I never felt any kind of uh any fear or anything while I was down there. But when you are in the communities doing the missionary work, is it sometimes obvious who might be somebody who's affiliated with a cartel and who isn't? I mean, he said he was changing yeah. his tire and some people who must have fit the description yeah. in some way. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, uh, of course, just being down there for the week, uh, 
you know, you, we, you see a lot of federales and National Guard as far as, as far as that part goes. But to to say, hey, that guy's a right. a cartel. No, I it's not that you. way. No. So when you are performing your missionary work, what is the typical person that you are praying for? That you are helping uh, with material things uh, what are you doing well when i went first started going with roger that that whole ministry many hands of christ was really re, uh, re, revolved around really uh, financially supporting the ministers the mexican minister pastors uh we had several churches that we uh supported the pastor so it was around uh, around meeting their their physical needs to at least help offset their needs um, now, when we would go, Roger, we'd usually they would have um, um, I'll, I'll call it a revival. It's not really what the word I'm looking They'd for. They'd have a service, yeah, a rally type thing, and um, uh, Roger would speak. And uh, then, as far as that part goes, we would just minister to um, uh, when we would have altar calls and that type of thing. Now, when we went to Mexico or down to Irez with Ben. He is definitely a hands-on type of guy. I got to preach twice while I was down there. My wife got to preach. Uh, the three other ladies, three, the three other ladies, got to minister, and so it wasn't one of those. Oh, I'm gonna go and watch. You're gonna go. You're gonna and go do. and do. And it was really, really good. I really, uh, it, it, you know, we were talking about getting stretched. Well, it was definitely a stretch. But um, I heard years ago uh, at uh, in a youth ministry one time there was a guy that had come back from at that time from the from the Eastern Europe, and he was sharing with our kids, and he said, "There's two things that Satan doesn't want you to do." He said, "Said number one, he doesn't want you to know Jesus." He said, "Number two, if you do know Jesus, he doesn't want you to tell anybody about Jesus." Yeah, and that's kind of where I was. So, um, you know, doors have opened over 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 my life, and and ministries have come forth, and so it, it's just exciting to go out and just lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. How many times have you been? Oh my! Uh, probably I've, I've probably been down to Acuna probably six, eight times, and then this this trip back to back into Zacatecas was the first time I've ever been down that deep. Into. And and where are you staying when you're there? Uh, we stay when we would go to Acuna. We stayed in Del Rio. There's actually a lady down down there. Her name is Bondred. They call her Granny B. And the Lord drew, drew her down there. She's got a gift of hospitality, and she mm-hmm. took her home, and it's open to ministers to go. I mean, it's a, she's had little casitas built in her yard, um, and so we would stay there, and they was just like going to stay at your house or my house sure. there. Now, when we went down to Yerez and then uh, in June, um, I mean, we, had all, we had everything that you know, we have here in America. John Burrow is my guest in the uh, studio today. He's been talking to us about uh, a number of things, including his missionary work and his involvement in Egyptian exterminating as the uh, one-time owner, been passed down to his son and daughter-in-law. We get another question in about uh, exterminating, John, and then we'll take a break. We'll let you answer this one. It says, how can I eliminate the ladybugs that are in and around my house by the thousands? You can't. You can't. There's nothing that uh, can be done as far as eliminating them. Uh, what we recommend is to go and just, number one, vacuum up the ones you're having. And if you were talking earlier about buying something over the over the counter. We recommend that you just go out and buy some kind of an insecticide and spray around the windows. Okay. Uh, that is one of the, our government's faux pas. 
uh, to release those into our environment. Um, and so, the, so I didn't know that ladybugs yeah. are not a native species. No, they were they they were they were released to actually become a natural pest control uh, to to work to on eat aphids. Insects, but it it did not it backfired, and uh, <laughs> I've literally had them flat in my nose. And I mean, we can go and we could service and we could kill millions, but you're still going to have fifty million. <laughs> and so to to tell somebody that they're going to get rid of your of those ladybugs, you're they'd be not telling you the truth. Um, they overwinter underneath your siding at times. So, uh, and, and the the weird thing about it is, it's not like that. It's not like it's just an ongoing year after year. Uh, sometimes you might have them a year, then you might not see them again for a couple of years. They do like, for whatever reason, white siding better. Oh, really? I don't know. But uh, there's nothing that I'm aware of that is a that's going to be a one-time fix. It kind of like carpenter bees. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, there's you know. Tennis racket works good on them. Yeah, they've even got electrified tennis rackets yeah. now that you can uh, press yeah. a button and it really charges them up. Yeah. The, um, Fry them up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one other here, the always dreaded box elder bug. Uh-huh. Just saw down the box elder tree. Yeah, the box elder tree, yeah. Again, though, that's a seasonal pest. I mean, we, in fact, you know, I've been trying now for three years, but I'd say in the last several years, I don't think that we got a whole lot of calls for box elder Uh well, I can tell you, I got them at my house yeah. right now. Yeah, because well, I got a box elder. I know, I know, I got. But it's a, you're right; it is a seasonal yeah. thing. It comes and goes. Well, and, and also, I'm, I'm, I've been a firm believer, and we. The neat thing about what I did for a living and what my kids are doing is, when you go somewhere and you tell them something, and they'll say, "Well, man, I appreciate your honesty." That's an open door right there to share Jesus. Yep. Because my, my, I said, hey, if it weren't for him, I'd just rip you off. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, but uh, a lot of times, it, you know, just cold weather will take care of a lot, a lot of the issues. So, you know, we're getting to that time of year where, you know, where Mother Nature is going to solve a lot of your outside, you know, past problems. And that's one thing, too. And I, then I promise I will take the first break. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, you and your employees, many of them, uh, use the opportunity when they come into somebody's home, uh, not to be over the top about it, but to find those openings to definitely, definitely. lift up the name of Christ. Definitely. Uh, for me personally, uh, I've, I don't know if you ever met Russell, who works for us. Russell and I have been friends since I was five. I'll be 65 in February. Yeah, he treats the radio okay. station well, at he times. went to Bible college, and he's went all over, all over the country. And he goes down to Mexico on mission trips and stuff. But he, he came back, and he was working for me part-time while he was teaching a Christian school. And he said, he said, John, don't you realize that we have the opportunity to go into people's home and, and we get paid for sharing the Lord? I said, yeah, we're, that's cool. So, uh, But, yes, God's, God has given us opportunities to pray for people, and we've seen healings, uh, salvations, and uh, just I, I, like right now my daughter and son-in-law, they're, they're doing uh, – uh, they just did a fundraiser outreach for, like, the Pregnancy Matters. Oh, what a great group, yeah. Yeah, they, they raised like $1,200 and, you know, just – neat stuff like that. John Murrow's my guest. We'll take the first break of the day, and when we come back, we'll talk to John about his trips to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. <laughs> John Murrow is my guest in the studio today, and uh, talking about Egyptian exterminating and talking about his work in the mission field. And uh, we get a text message in from one of our listeners that said, uh, ask John about his trips to Mardi Gras. So how many times have you been to... <laughs> Mardi Gras uh, doing mission work. Uh, oh, twenty-five years plus. Yeah, kind of lost lost track. 
Um, my first trip down to Mardi Gras was somewhere around 92, 93. And I've been every year except I missed a couple for first granddaughter's birthday. My wife didn't want me to go. Sure. And, uh, which was kind of cool because we ended up going out to San Diego after that. And there was a Mardi Gras uh, thing going on right in front of our hotel so we got to go down there and people <laughs> out sharing jesus um then i had a i had an appendicitis and I had to have surgery and i missed one year but um as far for me personally my uh, uh my walk with the lord uh my introduction to a street ministry called no greater love uh, uh was the biggest i used the word tool that god used in my life uh to kind of get me outside the four walls of, of going to church and uh, that going to church mentality. Um, my wife would tell you it's probably one of the best things ever happened for our marriage. Um, I didn't think I was that bad, but, you know. <laughs> um, but anyhow, um, through that, my son and both of my son-in-laws have been down there with me at times to Mardi Gras. And uh, my father-in-law, who's passed on now, he went with me. My brother-in-law has went. Um, I, I have to presume that there is some sort, you talk about the No Greater Love uh, ministry, mm-hmm. is that essentially a training for you to say, all right, you're going to go to New Orleans, everybody's going to be drunk or high, uh, and you're going to be you know, sharing Jesus. And so here's some things to be have the back of your mind when you're doing this. Well, the truth of the matter is No Greater Love ministry is really about the men that go. Now, yeah, we go down and we street preach and we one-on-one and we track and we do a clown ministry and we do all those things. But but the focus is on the men that go. We uh, we are in small groups. We have a group. You have a group leader. You have an assistant group leader. We have questions, and it's really it's really about building that man up to come back home and be a better man of God, better husband, better worker, better dad. Uh, so, like, I, I mean, you know, and we've seen God do things and change lives, and, and uh, his word will not return void. We know that. But, again, the focus is really on the men that go, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, sure, because things can be uh, – have dual purposes. Two things can be true at the same time. Exactly. Um, well, I think it's one of those things that – and I'm not – you know, a lot of ministries, is, you know, you go and you – I heard this the other day from somebody who said – particular ministry you go and you do this and you do this and you're there all day and then you go to denny's yeah uh, here you do this you do this you do this then they send you out to the battle <laughs> and uh so it, um again for me it's just been the tool that god has really really used uh in my life uh, is there a specific moment throughout all your years of doing missionary work that when you think about the years that you've been doing this stands out to you Oh, man. Well, my first memory as far as No Greater Love Ministry goes was uh, a a gentleman who's now one of my closest friends, Dave Morani. Dave was the one that introduced me to No Greater Love, but at that time I didn't know Dave. And we were going to the same church, and he had taken a group of guys down to Mardi Gras. And there was three or four that went from our church. And that particular Sunday, they they were up and they got to share share their testimony. And I remember sitting there and thinking, man, I want that. You know, I want that. And um, so the next the next trip after Mardi Gras was Kentucky Derby. Well, I got saved when I was 10 years old in vacation Bible school. So, you know, I mean, you get these things from Satan that, oh, you know, you know, what do you got to share, you know? But the fact is I had a lot to share, what Jesus has kept me from. And um, so I go to Kentucky Derby, and my talking about memories, I remember pulling up, 
and all these bikers are out there and partying hardy and and it's like what am i doing here you know <laughs> um and then one year a, a memory that just popped in my mind when you asked me that question we were down on bourbon street and uh They've got some big Louisiana state troopers. Let me tell you, there's some massive men that do that job. There's some little guys too, but there's some big boys. And I'm standing down there, and we was out on the street at Bourbon, and just standing, I had my Bible in my hand, I had it stuck in there. And this state policeman was behind me, and we stood by each other for, seemed like forever. And I finally said something to him about, this probably looks pretty silly to you. And, and he said, no, it doesn't. And then he started sharing about what God had done in his dad's life. And oh, it was, wow. It was powerful. I mean, yeah. I mean God had just yeah, – I mean, I can. I don't have time to share all that. But uh, so, you know, we. one time I was down there, and uh, I was a group leader. And one of my guys brought up this, this individual who had just gotten off uh, one of the ships, and he was from Africa, and he had all these scars on his face. Well, come to find out, he had he was in a, you know, a tribe over there. He'd gotten saved, and he had actually come to the United States to be a missionary. And that was, uh, I remember that, you know, so God just uh, does stuff in the middle, in the middle of a zoo, God shows up and uh, just get, get to be a part of what he's doing. You said a minute ago that what God has kept you from. Uh-huh. And what did you mean when you said that? Well, I got saved when I was 10. Um, and I uh, was fortunate to go to a little church, and the pastors really, really loved me. In fact, I was talking with Melody before this broadcast. Uh, and um, But I never really felt like I was really um, discipled, if you will. Uh, and uh, But, quite, you know, I, I never... Um, up through high school, I never, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to be self-righteous, but I don't mean, but, but I never, you know, I never did the things that most, you know, the drugs and the sex and all that kind of thing. But one night, I was 19 years old, and back in the day, what you did in Marion on a Saturday night, you got in your car and you rode around. Right. <laughs> and so there was a bunch of guys in the car, and they were going to go to a party, and I knew there was going to be drugs there. And and it wasn't an audible voice. I didn't hear. You know, I, I just, but I knew in my heart that God was saying, "John, you can't sit on both sides of the fence." Mm. And my par- car was parked at McDonald's there on Court Street in Marion, if you know where that's at. And I said, "Guys, drop me off." And that night, you know, I like to share my testimony that that's where the Lord started become, or Jesus started becoming the Lord of my life. Right. And he's still that's still a process, but. Um, so I married a wonderful woman. Uh, we've been blessed. In fact, we you know we laugh. We talk, you talk about the business and God's prospered, but but we we tell you, it's not us. We're, we're not business people. It's just God's faithfulness and um, just trying to walk out what he, what His Word tells us. John Murrow is my guest in the studio today. It is uh, twelve thirty-seven. We'll take the second break of the day, and we'll be back to wrap it up with him right after this. Longtime owner of Egyptian Exterminating. Now he's passed that down to his son and daughter-in-law. And you hear their advertising here on WXAN regularly. I highly recommend them, Egyptian Exterminating. If you've got some uh, bug problems, they can debug you. We've talked about his trips to Mexico, his trips to um, New Orleans. Uh, Your church, White Ash uh, Baptist Church, in White Ash, which is, I guess, no longer an incorporated community. Right. Um, so, Marion now, I believe. I guess 
you would be the unincorporated Baptist <laughs> church then. Yes. But regardless, uh-huh. um, being facetious, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, your church and Pastor Andy Lee are, uh, I think, to be commended for how active you are, how engaged you are with uh, current events uh, in the community. I've interviewed Andy Lee here on the okay. uh, station before, and I know that they've been up to Springfield. Have you uh, joined them on any of those trips? Yes, my wife and I went to, str- went to that trip in Springfield. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a prayer vigil that day around the governor's house. The uh, governor's well, didn't live there, but mansion, yes, yeah. which Man- yeah, the mansion, excuse me, basically uh, <laughs> serves as a historical landmark, exactly, uh, because almost all our governors live uh, in and around Chicago. But I just wanted to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to your church service times and that kind of thing. Okay, well, uh, we love Andy, uh, my wife and I. We started going to Whitish about five years ago. We were at a, our previous church for about thirty years, so it was a Pretty traumatic move, but the the first Sunday we went there, Andy preached a message. I couldn't tell you what he preached on, but when he got done, he was walking off the stage. He looked out at the people, and he said, I love you guys. Mm. And you knew it was true. Uh, I, I share with this. I've shared this with people all the time about Andy. Is He preaches the word, and he loves the people. He's he's a true pastor. He's got a pastor's heart. Um Obviously, he's like you know, his, he's a year older than my oldest son, so he's like a kid to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> but um, he just he just little things. You know, I, we were getting ready to go on this mission trip, and he said, "Hey, John, can I mow your yard?" You know, and I th- no, but it, it, just a thought of that. I mean, that kind of sensitivity. I mean, I, I just appreciate it in, in Andy. And uh, as far as uh, we meet uh, on Sundays, we have a nine o'clock service and an eleven o'clock service. Um, we have a Wednesday night. We do have some different classes on Sunday nights for those uh, uh, have an adult class. They have some uh, what I would call, I guess, uh, prior to se- se- less than senior ages, uh-huh. 20, 30, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, it's a good church. Excellent. Boy, love it. John Murrow has been our guest today. John, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing some of your testimony with you. Thank you very much. You can hear this interview in its entirety shortly after the program on the WXAN Facebook page. Be sure to catch it there if you didn't catch the entirety of it live. We'll take the last break of the day, and we'll come back to wrap it up right after this.